This is On Education Now. I'm your host, Mike Washburn. Ontario education is in upheaval due to government cuts across the board. We asked Ontario's opposition education critic, Merritt Stiles, to join us and help us make sense of it all. Have a listen. All right, everyone, we're thrilled to be joined on the podcast by Merritt Stiles. Merritt is the member of Provincial Parliament for Davenport and education critic for Ontario's official opposition. Before being an MPP, Merritt was the National Director of Public Policy and Research for the Alliance of Canadian Cinema, Television and Radio Artists. And she was a trustee for the Toronto District School Board. Welcome to the podcast, Merritt. Thanks. It's great to be here. So before we get started, I just have to say we planned to do this about a week ago, uh, but had some challenges coming together. So I had all these questions pretty much ready to go. And since that time, so much more has happened. Uh, I'm having a hard time balancing <laughs> the need to respect our time. I mean, we're doing this on Good Friday. Happy Easter, by the way. Yeah. And um, and uh, respecting our time and addressing what the hell's going on around here. So I appreciate you coming on and we got a lot to get to. Absolutely. And it's amazing how quickly everything is changing and it is almost impossible to keep up, but uh, we've been doing our best. So both the premier and the minister of education have said that in this new round of cuts and class size increases that, and I quote, not one single teacher will lose their job. Yet we've seen a flood of surplus notices and Twitter inundated with teachers saying they've been laid off is yeah. the government being truthful with us i would say no uh i think that they are um there's a little bit of wordplay going on here too sure. right i yeah. mean some of this is wordplay and i think some it's a bit complicated but yeah for sure people are getting their redundancy or surplus notices and by our count just of the folks who've received them in the last two weeks we're up to probably about two thousand. Uh, teachers. And that's not even all the education workers, I think we're going to probably see more. But um, and that's certainly not all the school boards reporting it. That's just a small number. So what's really awful, and I'm sure you're hearing this as well, is uh, I'm getting calls from teachers who are saying, you know, they're getting these notices at school during the day and then having to go back to class. And the kids, yeah, and the kids are seeing that and it's really hard to you know hold it together. Um, and of course, as we also know, you know, these are these are teachers who often have spent years trying to get the full time gig. Right. And now they've got the full time position. They have worked for years to get to this place. Um, and what's not known is whether there will be any job that they can bump into. And, and what's looking it's looking like there won't be. So the government is it's kind of creative wordplay here, uh, because at this stage, the, the government hasn't released what we call the grants for student needs which is what's going to actually give the boards the kind of final information they need to finalize their uh, staffing plans for next year. So I think one of the biggest tragedies of these surplus notices is that almost all of them are being handed out to young, energetic, enthusiastic teachers. Like you said, folks who have been on LTOs for a couple of years just got out of their B-Eds and, and have grinded pretty hard to be honest on on ot lists and lto lists and are are just getting their first year's contract their first 1.0 and they're ready to get into the classroom and work hard and make a difference and it's these ones that are being affected the most 
Yeah, that is absolutely true. And uh, without fail, everybody I've spoken to, all the teachers that I've spoken to who receive notices will tell you that they, you know, they spent years, like you said, on the OT list. They then ended up, you know, and they're also folks who are doing, you know, as we know, because a lot of teachers do constantly upgrading their qualifications, you know, yeah. investing their own money in additional qualifications courses in the summer. And and now to have this happen, it's uh, it's a real um, it's a real problem. Uh, and I think there's a there's also something more to that, which is we know the government's talking about trying to negotiate out or do away with the regulation um, that. uh you know, basically allows for seniority to play in and hiring. And I mean, this is a touchy issue, of course, because you know yeah. many of us also support seniority, right? We we believe that you know you put your hours and your time in, and 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 you know you need that security. Um, but I think what's happening here is the government's going to use that as uh, a way of kind of blaming unions, frankly, uh, for the loss of younger or not necessarily younger, but newer teachers. And and kind of try to divide everyone again. And I think that is uh, which was will be something that I think um, newer teachers, uh, parents uh, and everyone else is going to be very divided over. It's amazing. The newest news to come out is these massive cuts to Ontario libraries. We've already started to see fallout from this. I, I believe just in the, and actually just before we came on Barry's library, I live in Barry, just put out oh. a notice on Facebook that the uh, interloan service for libraries in Southern Ontario, it's they're shutting it down. Like it's done as of now. So no, no loaning between libraries. You can't exchange books. Uh, it's gone. I, I suspect that this is just the tip of the iceberg. And I'm really concerned about how this is going to affect rural areas and in northern Ontario, where libraries are a hub, uh, a backbone of the community. Absolutely. And, you know, I think also, let's face it, um, libraries, although I think our library system in Ontario is excellent and many 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 people use it uh, but it also will um, disproportionately affect more vulnerable people right of course it will. Uh, you know folks who can't afford to go out and buy a book um, mm-hmm. or, or order a book online or whatever and so have internet you know, access or computer and have, access or have internet absolutely and so as you said I mean libraries are more than just a place you go to to take out a book these days they are a mm-hmm. hub they're they're and, and, and you know in rural communities and also in a lot of our big cities um, so it is it is going to but it's absolutely going to hit those smaller communities uh, rural Ontario in a big way and um, you know, let's be clear, this is also uh, a way for the provincial government to download responsibility back onto municipalities. And so they're talking yeah. about a lot of these things. They're talking about renegotiating, you know, cost sharing arrangements and stuff like this with municipalities. But at the end of the day, this is about the provincial government, you know, getting out of the business of supporting libraries or any number of things. I mean, we also just saw a massive cut to um, public health. I mean, mm-hmm. which is going to be quite devastating, I think. So everything at once is getting piled onto our, our regions and our municipalities. And they're just going to they're going to have to make some really tough calls. And uh, and I think for for um, young people, for for lots of folks who rely on libraries as a hub for their communities, this is going to be a devastating loss. My wife is a kindergarten teacher in Peel. 
Um, so naturally, we've been concerned about what's going to happen with full day kindergarten going forward. At one point, we thought there was a chance it was going to get scrapped entirely. And then we heard it might be two DECEs and one teacher supervising multiple sections. Frankly, there seems to be a lot of speculation and not much, not much of a plan. Um, what is the current status of kindergarten in your mind? And what do you think the future holds for kindergarten teachers? Do we have any idea of what the government is planning for this? Well, we know that the government is um, has said pretty explicitly that full day kindergarten is safe next year. <laughs> and right. that's kind of the caveat, right? So they think they've said that full day kindergarten is safe for next year, but they haven't actually said that the staffing model is safe. And so I think that is um, something that we could see coming out in the uh, GSNs, in the grants for student needs. Um that that could be affected. And, and certainly I've heard the same things that they could be moving to a, a different model where they have two DECEs, early childhood educators in the in the classroom, as opposed to a teacher and an early childhood educator. And uh, again, you know, um, there's there's I think that the mo- the current model is the best model. I, I think it's a it's a it's a good model. I think the class right. sizes should be smaller. There's a lot we could be doing better. But um, at the end of the day, if they if they go back to this model of you know two ECs, say, and a teacher supervisor, um, mm-hmm. that's again going to divide people, right? Because there are some childcare activists who think that that model might actually be better for kids. A lot of education experts who don't, and and I think again, like this is about the government picking and choosing where it can have its battles. They were absolutely um, talking to. Um, uh, in their surveys and their, you know, so-called town halls, they were they were asking people explicitly about full day kindergarten mm-hmm. and whether or not class sizes should get bigger at the primary levels. And I actually think that was just a strategy that they had um, to get people really upset about that. So then they would turn around and they would make the cuts at the secondary level. And that's what we've seen happen. So. Part of recently announced changes includes a proposed mandate that students take four e-learning credits over their secondary career. We spend a lot of time on the podcast, Glenn and I, talking about equity. We talk about equity a lot, and I can't think of a better case for equity concerns than this. We know that in particular, taking online courses is going to be a major challenge in rural Ontario and absolutely a challenge for low-income households. We kind of just addressed this when we talked about libraries even. These households may not even be able to afford internet access. Do you think Doug Ford and Lisa Thompson understand that Ontario is quite a bit bigger than the <laughs> Toronto suburbs that they that they actually try to cater to? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't know what they're doing here. <laughs> and I actually have to say it's, uh, it's kind of mind-boggling because I... There is no research out there. Uh, right. We looked really hard. There's no research out there that says that mandatory online learning is the right direction to go. And there's, in fact, tons of research uh, that shows all the things that you've already talked about, which are, you know, that this is um, that online learning works for tends to work for kids who are already um, kind of succeeding. So or yep. uh, have fewer barriers uh, yep. to success. And so it's it is an equity issue. Uh, I actually sat down with the minister, the deputy minister of education in the province uh, when this announcement first came out and with a bunch of the assistant deputy ministers and liter- and said to them, can you show us any research that shows that this is, you know, that recommends this approach? And they right. had nothing. They had nothing. And I, I suspect they didn't even know it was coming. So um, this to me is this is all about cutting 
um, cutting costs, right? The cutting corners. This is about fewer teachers in classrooms. It's about saving money. And, uh, and I think they think that they can convince people that this is some kind of new, you know, cutting edge approach Edgy, to education. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we all know that like broadband access is a major issue. Um, mm-hmm. Technology in our classrooms, many of our classrooms won't even be able to manage, you know, having a full class of kids online, <laughs> even if it was done in a classroom. Yeah. And, um, and of course, as you've said, there's, there's plenty of research out there to show that actually um, this, uh, this leads to very inequitable uh, results. We know just looking at the success rate in like a couple of school boards, like in the TDSB, where, you know, uh, broadband access, for example, isn't as much of an issue in this city. Uh, but we've seen that the dropout rates for students in those classes is very, very high. So this is not, this is, to me, this is, well, I actually think what we're going to see generally with reduction uh, in the number of teachers and adults in classrooms, mandatory online learning, uh, I think we're going to see graduation rates fall, which is a real tragedy because it's taken years to build it up here. So, I mean, teachers are incredibly resilient, Incre- incredibly resilient. Yes. Cir- circumstances across the province are all over the map, yet regardless, teachers show up and try to do the best they can with what they have every day. They put students first. With that being said, I think for me, the most troubling aspect of this time we're going through right now is the rhetoric coming from our own government against mm-hmm. teachers and now students as well. Uh, Our government, the premier and the education minister are using their bully pulpit to go after students who protest. They call them pawns. They've Mm -hmm. gone after schools lying about posting union propaganda in the classrooms. And they threaten teachers who may go on strike. What do you think it says about a government that goes this far attacking teachers and students in this way? Yeah, I mean, I think this government um, has decided that they can appeal to that, 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 that their path to making the cuts that they decided are important, which, by the way, they're not cutting every area. They're, they're giving big tax cuts to very wealthy people and big corporations. They've got money for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they've decided that the path to cutting education is division. It's the politics of division. And that's why they're out there, you know, talking about union thugs and teachers being union thugs and um, and threatening uh, unions who are made maybe forced to walk out uh, because, of course, we know that uh, big negotiations are coming. Um, And they thought they could divide students from teachers and they thought they could divide parents from teachers. But I think if I may just do say one very hopeful thing is that what I've seen over the last couple of months is that parents, teachers, students are unified um, and parents have the backs of teachers in this. Uh, I don't think this government has has actually thought through uh, what the impact of this was going to be. And I think now um, we're going to see people more united. But that's absolutely the game they're playing. And, you know, I just also say one of the big things they're going to do here is they're going to put out their their grants for student needs and they're going to push the decisions onto school boards, which ultimately you know, school boards can 
decide to some extent how to use the funds they get, but a lot of it is sweatered. And school boards are actually required by legislation to balance their budgets. So um, they're threatening school boards by doing a review of school boards at the same time. So um, they're gonna they're basically going to say, here's what we're doing. We're just we're just giving you know the money to the school boards and it'll be up to school boards to make these decisions. Right. And also try to blame school boards. And I think that's also a really unfair, I mean, not not that I, I think that school boards always make the right decisions, but I think that it's a very unfair portrayal of what the role of school boards is in all of this. Um, and so, uh, you know, these guys are basically trying to, they're playing the blame game and yeah. they're trying to divide us. And uh, if anything, we've seen in the last few months again, is that uh, we're not so easily divided. So that being said, what, can we do what can teachers do what can concerned parents do what can students do to express their where do we go from here Merritt? well one thing i've learned over the last few months uh, or i guess it's almost a year that this government has been in power now hard to believe um is that they do back off right um if we make our voices loud enough and um i think that we will still see cuts i think that's what their agenda is they believe in and i and i also we should talk if we can about um about what i think that the big picture and the big plan is here but okay. Um, I think that they're, that what we need to do is do what we've been doing. Uh, we need to continue to protest. We need to send letters to MPPs, particularly conservative MPPs. We need to get out there and knock on doors in our communities and sign, get people to sign petitions and talk to, you know, the quote, average Ontarian about what this is going to mean for our economy, for the future of our communities, uh, if we are making these kinds of drastic cuts to public education and how important public education is. And I think that is crucial. You know, it's true. I mean, the Minister of Education herself has said, you know, she has teachers in her family. Um, We all know teachers. I'm not a teacher, but I have many friends who are teachers, many neighbors who are teachers. You know, let's let's remember, you know, let's get teachers and parents out there together talking about, you know, the amazing work that our teachers do. Um, and, and let's, let's talk about, you know, how we have to protect public education and why it matters. And so I think, you know, continuing on with this is really important. Um, and, and reminding people that this is a government that's trying to divide us and that we can't be divided. Merit Stiles, I really appreciate you joining us and answering all of these questions. This is a tough time for teachers. It's a tough time for students. It's a tough time for parents. Everyone is a little scared right now. I won't Mm -hmm. lie. And uh, I appreciate you coming on and being willing to answer uh, my questions and joining us today. Thanks so much. It's my pleasure. And if I can say too, I have really appreciated all the teachers who've reached out to me uh, by email or on Twitter to share their stories. Um, It's heartbreaking. I feel uh, like I have an enormous responsibility right now in the legislature to keep calling out the government. But uh, you you uh, are doing the most important work, I think, in our society. And uh, we thank you for it. And we know this is a really hard time. And uh, we appreciate you. Mayor Styles, everyone. Thanks so much. Thank you. 